0: Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening.
2: Enjoy the call. Good morning. Good afternoon, I should say. A warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two expert guests, all in one hour. Tuesday, the 6th of April, I'm Nadine Blaney. With me in the studio today, Nathan Somisandrum. He's joining us from Deep Data Analytics. Hello there, familiar face here in studio. And also Howard Coleman is joining us remotely from Team Invest. Howard, welcome back to the program. Great to have you here with us. Uh, listen, I'm gonna get right to it today because we're short on time already. The stock of the day is Cleanaway. Uh, so let's get to some of the detail as to why its share price is on a tear after it signaled it is willing to pay some $2.5 billion for Suez's Australian assets. CleanAway entered into a deal with Suez on April the 5th, subject to an equity raising and other conditions, and it's a big one. It includes possible termination if Suez is taken over by a larger French rival, Violia. Now, CleanAway shares jumping by as much as 11% earlier this morning, its highest mark since January the 21st, when its CEO Vic Bonsall jumped ship following allegations in the AFR that he'd bullied and harassed SAF. It was Bonsal who was the original architect of this deal. Uh, Executive Chair Mark Chilu is holding the fort a CEO until a replacement is found. So, Guys, now we can have a chance to talk. Let's do it, though, over CleanAway. Howard, I'll start with you. Uh, stock of the day, CleanAway. What are some positives about the company, in your view?
0: Well, uh, they're harder to find than the negatives, Nadine. Uh, you know, return on equity is low. It it hasn't been more than about uh, 5.5% for about six or seven years. And in fact, in the 10 years that I'm looking across, uh, it hasn't been once. So that's a negative. And, um, You know uh, certainly it's it's generally been uh, growing its earnings reasonably well at about seven percent a year now to grow your earnings faster than your um, return on equity is growing means you must be taking on a bit more debt and using more debt to grow your business instead of equity and that's what they've been doing now the bigger uh, thing from my point of view and team invest point of view though is they're making a large acquisition now that's a very large acquisition for the size of the business that they are. Now, large acquisitions, about two out of three, land up destroying shareholder funds. Only about one out of three land up delivering what they originally hoped to deliver. So, um, you know, that doesn't uh, suggest to me the share price should rise by 10%. It would suggest the share price should probably fall rather than rise. The other thing too is the ACCC is bound to look at it. And if the C's past examples are anything to go by, it could sit on it for a year or 18 months before it finally makes a decision, um, causing all sorts of problems along the way. Uh, you know, if you, once you get involved with the ACCC, looking at it, by the time it goes through, you've probably lost any impetus you'd gained from making the uh, attempted acquisition. And of course, fringe courts may get in the way because Veolia is trying to buy all of sewers worldwide. And, uh, uh, this could be involved in a long court case so it, it certainly wouldn't enthuse our members of team invest
2: that is the first word on clean away going to Nathan somersundrum from deep data analytics for a follow-up macquarie thinks that the suez australian waste management deal makes strategic and financial sense so that's one issue howard flagged the legal concerns sure. around it but beyond that i mean clean away is in a business that it doesn't matter pandemic yeah. it doesn't matter you know, good times or bad, everybody needs their, their garbage picked up.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because we've only got two real, Bingo and CleanAway. Uh, bingo's got less of a history. The track record of management is patchy on Bingo, so CleanAway is better. That's because it's on a relative terms. This is an industry with patchy track record at best. Um, and when you dig into it, the contracts that underlies the business are very um, gangs and small businesses that have been around for a long time. It's very opaque. So it's very really hard to dig down and work out that this is actually a defensive play like what you would think it is. So actually, it, it's one, uh, I always like the term reverse lottery. You have a very small risk of a big problem that'll come through and you could lose a fair bit of money. Now, you have gotta remember what you're buying it for. Clean away is, in, in concept, people think it's defensive, but it's not actually that defensive. It Doesn't pay a big yield, so you're not buying a big yield stream either. So what are you buying? You're buying a relatively stretched multiple. It's not cheap. Um, both Bingua and CleanAway are down. Now they're all involved in M&A. That's why they've all gone up. Now the thing to remember is, these things are not going to do massive growth rates. So you want to buy them when they're cheap, the market ignores it. You don't buy them when they're hot. What CleanAway is doing is really protecting its turf. It needs to, there's an acquisition play that is running around globally and they need to keep acquiring to stay relevant. Otherwise they, be, they lose the scale. They're probably the preferred one out of the two, but you wouldn't chase it here. I just don't see the logic behind it. It's not a big growth stock. You're paying a decent multiple. Yield is very low. Um, The regulatory risk is high. Um, Things can, like, you only need something small to happen somewhere and then has a huge effect on the earnings and you'll get smacked. So I just don't see the risk return for this stock. This is one of those ones where, you know, when people don't want to talk about it, there's other things being sexy, you buy this. Because when, The cycle turns, Mm -hmm. this is the non-correlated recovery story. But that's priced in. So I don't see the value in it at this point in the cycle.
2: All right, so that is agreement to kick off this Tuesday edition of the call. Howard, I'll start with you with just a general comment about where the Australian market is trading. And are you optimistic in terms of equities for the remainder of this year, considering the fact we are coming through this economic crisis quite well, considering the fact there's still a lot of stimulus and a very supportive Um, Reserve Bank
0: as well? Yes, well, the companies that are really good at running their businesses in time of change, um, when there's a lot of things going on as they are at the moment with COVID and shutdowns and uh, ridiculously low non-existent interest rates on cash, um, companies that are flexible in their thinking and can think outside the box of what their competitors are doing uh, it's probably a wonderful time. you know. As an investor, it's a marvellous time to be investing when there's turbulence going on in the markets because the best-run businesses really, really make big money when there's turbulence. Um, but for the majority of companies, which are run by pretty mediocre management, uh, it's not a good time. So I would say, overall, um, my view is that the the market is being held this high and pushed higher by the fact that there's no other alternative. Interest rates are so ridiculously low. What else are you going to do with your money? Um, but you, you want to be fairly discerning where you put it. You want to be putting it in companies that have got pretty smart management and a really good track record of delivering no matter what's going on in the economy. And that's what we've really seen over the last uh, year since the pandemic started. And I expect we'll see more of that. So I'm an optimist based on the kind of companies we look at in team invest. But market as a whole, well, you know, the market index is hardly any higher than it was in 2007, just before the GFC, which suggests most management in 13 years has gone nowhere. And that's about right.
2: You agree with that, Nathan? I've seen a bit of head nodding going on. Yeah, look,
1: uh, some of it I do in the context that I think the overall market is expensive, uh, but that's expensive for a reason uh, when you got... Uh, as Mahal said, when you got interest rates at zero and today RBA will come out and come up with another fantasy tale why JobKeeper can go away because the economy is strong but they have to keep rates at 10 basis points and do QE. That kind of doesn't make sense because none of the central banks actually make sense at this point. Mm -hmm. The bond market is telling you that the central banks are going to get it wrong and I think they're right. bond market tends to predict this quite well and central banks tend to get it wrong. Um, And I think we're in that cycle where things are expensive but you don't have anywhere else to go. Um, rental yields are falling, property is not going to return you much, uh, fixed income is had a 40-year bull market that's turned and it's probably going to have at least five years of underperformance. So your asset classes that's supposed to give you protection are not going to give you that protection. So equities, as risky as it is, it's the last place, it's the only place. So that's going to attract it but I think that the trick here is overall market, I think it's got more risk than return at this point But in saying that, there are parts of the market, I think have very good upside.
2: All right. Well, let's find out if any of the questions put to the gentleman by you, our viewers, our listeners, fall into the categories that impress. Uh, Let's get to it, shall we? Our first company picked by you, Whitehaven Coal. WHC is the ticker code sent in by Peter with a bit of commentary. He's saying it's been going so strongly over the past few months when previously dead in the water. And you put on top of that all the problems with coal and problems with China. Why is Whitehaven Coal not being affected or impacted by this? Nathan.
1: Oh, look, coal is an interesting commodity. It's everyone knows it's in decline. It's been in decline for a long time and Whitehaven has been as well. And everyone's tried to pick the bottom in Whitehaven and uh, New Hope for numerous times and they've been wrong for years. Um, it's had a bit of a bounce. Um, it's gone sideways for the last what, five, six months. Um, it's an interesting one because I think there is there's always going to be a space for call in industrial production now the question is where does that settle down and I don't really know because there's too many moving parts um, and I think it's a bit hard but it's an interesting one where if you're a really long-term player my guess is call sits in a place for private equity and I think at some point someone will buy that out just for the cash flow uh, the markets are not going to buy it because there's not too much growth outlook mm-hmm. that's going to come through or at least a A stable growth outlook Uh, so I think it'll probably get taken out but you know private equity is cheap they'll wait for the really cheap price so in that context I think it's a downside risk but look I I just think it's too hard there are other commodities you're playing a reflation cycle commodities tend to do well in a reflation cycle there's much easier commodities that give you much better outlook into the future than coal. so you're just playing a hard play here so it's just not worth it
2: okay so that is a no coming from Nathan Howard, UBS does not expect a dividend in the second half, but does say that a return to free generating uh, generating free cash flow is considered the next first step in bringing back dividends. I've known you long enough, Howard, to know that even the prospect of a dividend coming from a miner would not be enough to entice you Uh, into Whitehaven Coal. You know,
0: Warren Buffett's got a beautiful expression that I've quoted a couple of times on here, and that is that you want to be invested in companies that don't have to have a prayer meeting When they consider having a price increase now all commodity producers whether they have a prayer meeting or not it's not going to help them because they have no control over the price of the product they sell and when you've got a product like coal which is that there's so much of it in the ground around the world far 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 more than the world is ever going to use up and um, at the moment of course uh, with Issues to do with worries about climate and air pollution and so on. Coal is on the nose. I remember being at university a very, very long time ago, over 50 years ago, and um, our professor of applied mathematics warning us that uh, uh, our children and grandchildren's generation will curse us if we carry on burning dirty coal and don't switch to nuclear. Now, unfortunately, nuclear, with the kind of uh, power stations that were built in the 1950s, um didn't do terribly well but i mean modern nuclear
1: yeah. um solar
0: yeah. uh, wind uh all sorts of renewables are going to make coal less and less attractive and uh you can't predict the price so as nathan was saying too hard uh, just forget about it look somewhere else
2: well let's see if the next company on the list is more attractive to you both aub group aub is the ticker code this is coming from corey Look, Nathan, the brokers really like this one. It's a buy from Ords, outperform from Macquarie and Credit Suisse. It's in the broking, underwriting, and risk management business, and it's been doing really well.
1: Uh, it's been doing well for a while. Yeah, It's a really good business. Uh, it's an underestimated business. Actually, we, sorry yeah. to interrupt,
2: but yeah, guidance for FY21 raised for the third time in yeah. six months. It's
1: There's two of them, Steadfast and Ausbrokers. Both work in insurance broking. Mm-hmm they are both well run businesses good management they're in upgrade cycle you know if it's just hard to buy a stock that just keeps going up but these guys know how to do it and they're doing well we're actually positive on the insurance sector because the insurance sector should be doing better with yields recovering so i'd expect to see a lot of those insurance stocks to do well and there'll be more competition people will be looking to move around so these guys will continue to do well i think you know, as much as when you look at the chart and you go, oh, it's had a run, multiples look expensive compared to where it was. Uh, look, they're on an upgrade cycle. Both Steadfast and osbrokers are high quality businesses in their sector. You wouldn't think that, but they are. And it's one of those ones where till they get it wrong, you're back there.
2: Okay, so I know I've known you long enough to know that you don't stand in the way of a cycle, whether that be upgrade or downgrade. Yeah. So you're telling us that. AUB is a buy on yeah. this day.
1: Look, it's a buy. We like the insurance sector. We like most of the insurance stocks as well. And these guys are like the best in managing that sector. Yeah. Both of them, Steadfast and Osbrokers, you buy them.
2: Yeah, well, Steadfast is on our list later uh, down, but I'm just going to write buy yeah. down beside that one right now. Yeah. Nathan's uh, look, stealing I, I, a bit like, of the thunder. Look,
1: they're on, a, they're on an upgrade cycle. You just, you back the guys who are executing.
2: So Steadfast also has this project. It's called Trapped Capital Initiative.
1: Oh, no. Yeah, you've got to love a name, the right? Words, right? You yeah, it's going to acquire words. new equity states yeah. within
2: the network, unlock trapped yeah. capital. Do you think that this initiative will accelerate acquisition growth? Well, and that will this, also this be is good?
1: the other thing, right? For them, it's it, they grow by acquisition, and given their execution and the multiple they're trading in, every time they buy, they're buying something at a lower multiple and bring it to their multiple. So it's an upgrade cycle that management has executed time and time again. Well, I wouldn't stand in their way. I expect them to do well.
2: So I'm going to put, this is for you, Jordan. This is a double-barreled uh, answer here on uh, on both of these broker networks. So Steadfast Group is a buy for Mathan today, SDF. Okay, we've got two buys coming from Mathan. It's really putting the pressure on you, Howard, because <laughs> i you know, I'll have to enter them both into the AusBiz portfolio if you like them. How about AUB? It's on this upgrade cycle. Uh, you know, there is a bit of uncertainty though, as we start to see government stimulus take, tapering off, but it's done really well in terms of management, which you like to focus on. It's done really well in terms of cost control as well.
0: Yeah, Nadine, you know me well enough to know that I love being controversial, but yeah, I can't even manage. I totally agree with Mathan an extremely <laughs> warm business. Um, they, they buy private companies And they've got a PE multiple that's more appropriate for a listed company. So their PE multiple is around about 25. They're able to buy private brokerage uh, houses for considerably less than 25 times earnings. So it's immediately earnings accretive. They never seem to overspend. They run their business really well. And effectively, they're ticket clippers in that they take no risk. If the insurance companies have a flood or a fire or something that costs billions of dollars it's not the um brokers that land up paying the money it's the actual insurance principals that land up paying the money they really are sales organization selling policies to people and they do it really well so yes uh, uh, you know it's passed our filters in team invest for many years OS brokers it's got a high return on equity it's been high as long as we've been running team invest um it's got relatively low debt uh, especially uh, it's just made it sold the Altis Group, so it'll have a fair bit of cash from that, got 57 million for it. And it's earnings are growing at almost 9% a year. So, uh, you know, uh, what a lovely business. And yes, I agree with Nathan, you could have bought it cheaper a little while ago, but even at today's prices, uh, it's a yes for me.
2: Well then Howard, let's go to Steadfast Group as well. SDF for Jordan, because they're related, it was a buy for Nathan. Would Steadfast Group also fall into the buy basket, considering you know it too is on that acquisitive uh, cycle, and uh, it too is clipping the ticket instead of taking on the risk that is borne by the insurers themselves?
0: Yes, um, it, it doesn't. Its numbers don't look quite as good. Its return on equity is lower than uh, brokers so Of the two, I prefer Ostbrokers. Um but in every other respect, they're growing on a similar. Uh, a way you're uh, growing at a roughly similar rate also making wise acquisitions uh buying private companies w- uh, when they have PE multiple that's uh, suited for a listed company so yes but you know if i wanted to own one of the two of them i'd certainly prefer osbrokers because a it's been more consistent over the years yeah, i don't mean the share price i mean the earnings per share and the growth have been more consistent and secondly, its its uh, return on equity is higher, so it's using its capital better, but um, I'd say a yes for Steadfast, but uh, picking one of the two, I prefer housebreakers.
2: Okay, so I will say Steadfast is a buy, but AUB is your preferred buy in the space. And, Nathan, that's a good question for you as well, because if you're constructing a portfolio, there's a chance you don't want to be overexposed mm. to that area of the market. So if you had to pick between the two, Osbrokers or AUB Group or Steadfast, which one would you pick?
1: Well, you go with the guy who is outperforming. Um, in, you know, every sector, everyone just follows the herd, and the herd at the moment is following Osbrokers more than um, Steadfast. So I would expect that Osbrokers is probably the preferred one. The only thing I would caution there is, you know, all of these guys have had a pretty decent periods of upgrade cycles. Um, so, the longer you go in an upgrade cycle, the closer you are to a downgrade mm-hmm. and that's when the panic sets in. Um, usually people deny the first downgrade, but you, that is when you've got to be careful. So in this scenario, if you were picking one of these stocks after had a, a decent run, both of them are in pretty good nick, uh, management are pretty decent. So I would actually caution people after this kind of run to not pick one. I would actually diversify 50-50 in both okay. because you just don't know one of those left field events happen. And Something goes wrong in the business and as good as the management is when you get a left field you get hit So you're late in the cycle where they've had a pretty big run uh, They're still doing well. I don't have a problem with both of them. So for me I would just manage your risk a bit better um, It's just I, I still think osbrokers is probably better mm-hmm. But I would manage your risk a bit more because it's had a decent period of time So, Whenever I look at the data once a stock runs for about a year year and a half of upgrade cycles you know, then you're cycling really hard numbers Mm -hmm. and management tends to, no matter how good they are, they tend to take a lot more risk trying to keep the growth going and that's when you get into problems. And when you see a downgrade after a multi-year upgrade cycle, I don't care who it is, sell and walk away because usually you get multiple downgrades after that. So that's why I say when it's had a year plus run on upgrade cycles and they've done really Mm -hmm. well, they're not cheap, you just got to be a bit more careful.
2: All right, there's a bit of investment strategy as a bonus for you all out there. So AUB Group and Steadfast, both a buy from these guys who seem to be am- agreeing an awful lot today. <laughs> yeah, I'm know. a little bit sus, Doesn't but be anyways. Circo is, uh, is coming up next on the list. SKO is the ticker code. This is for Tom. So Circo is, it's software. Software as a service essentially for the travel mm. industry, correct, Nathan? Yeah. So trading conditions have obviously been very suppressed on the improve and we could have details on a trans-tasman travel bubble that could only be good for the company
1: it is i mean that's kind of in the price but look the key thing is it's a new zealand tech so it doesn't matter what they do you have to look at it right every new why, zealand why
2: t- are you saying that
1: the track record of new zealand t- uh, techs are phenomenally good okay so anytime you find a tech company coming out of new zealand going uh, outside you want to look at them and generally i'd say a good 90 percent strike rate they're gonna be doing well, and they do deliver. So in that context, you wanna look at them, And but this is not something that's new. Everyone knows about it, it's had a very good run, um, it's the opening up economy. You know, it's, it, it's done well in an environment where techs are under pressure on multiples, so that tells you how good it is. So um, I think it's a, it's a high quality business. If you pro- I probably wouldn't chase techs at the moment. I'm not buying any techs uh, for the simple macro uh, thematic from growth to value transition. It's gonna hurt a lot of techs. Um, so in that context, I think it's not the thematic that I wanna be exposed well, to. The
2: chart was pretty impressive. It is, it
1: saying. is. And I said, look, everything that you want in a tech, New Zealand tech, opening up, doing against the market, it's done everything, right? Yeah. And, but I don't, I don't see the big bang from where it is. Um, so you are looking at, so if I was looking at, an, one of the ones we've been a fan of with Vista Group, uh, another New Zealand tech, uh, opening up economy, cinema tech, and as the economies open up, more people go, these techs will do better. So I would rather buy that because that's only around two bucks. It's run from ten to two bucks, but that's probably got three, $4 in it as the economy opens up. So that big bang there is much higher um, and it's a proven global tech. That's the beauty of these things. They've already run outside and proven themselves. So I think the risk return here for say SKO is pretty low. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great business. I think it's a good model, but I just think you a know, thematic that's against it, I'd be chasing against it when it hasn't it's actually at trading pre, mm-hmm. you know, it's trading at highs, all time highs. So in that context you're chasing something that everyone knows about. I would look at if you're looking at the opening up economy where people are not paying for, things like O media in the media sector or BGL, Vista Group in the cinema tech, those kind of techs. I think gives you that opportunity of the bank.
2: So is that right, Howard Coleman from Team Invest that you do need to stick with, if you're interested in tech, some of the thematics or the specific names that haven't already run hard?
0: We're much more interested in who's the management and how well do management deliver. And in this particular case, it's hard to tell. They've only been listed for three years and two of the three years they've made a loss. They made a loss in the 2017 year and in the 2020 year they were March reporting company so I presume they're going to report for 2021 uh, very soon um, they made a profit in 2019 so um, you know when you consider what they're doing they're not unique. The other companies doing similar things they've got a very very short history we don't know that management has proven to be really good management um, so uh, definitely a no for us uh, team invest members looking at this would just say nah too hard um, uh, the, you know you only want somewhere around about 20 companies in your portfolio, maybe 25, maybe 15 depending on your attitude towards risk. Um, but uh, you can certainly find a lot more than 25 companies that look a lot better in terms of return on equity, earnings growth, and low debt uh, than Circo. So uh, it wouldn't get close to even being discussed for more than a few seconds at a team invest meeting.
2: You never get FOMO at Team Invest, Howard, fear of missing out on uh, the next big leg up in growth? Oh,
0: we're we're all human, but you know, uh, as you get older and wiser, your fear of missing out (laughs) because you discover that too many of the times when you got too fearful about missing out, you landed up afterwards, throwing away some of your money on chasing something rather silly. Um, There's a lovely African expression in, in Zulu. I mean, I don't speak Zulu, but translated into English, it says um, the, it, it, how fast you have to run to get away from a lion, well, faster than the slowest person in the group. And similarly, um, if you're going to be following the group, you're the most eat- likely to be eaten by the lions. So when everybody else has already discovered something and got all excited about it and you have fear of missing out, you're the one who's most likely to be eaten by the lions.
2: (laughs) I thought we were going to have Zulu on AusBiz (laughs) for the first time. That would have been a history-making moment. Uh, Howard, let's start with EML Payments. Uh, Let's start with you for EML Payments then. This is a question that's come to us from Philip. Look, EML is one of the most followed companies on the AusBiz platforms. It has been since the beginning, I think, pretty much. It has been doing quite well, even though some of the areas of its business, and I'm thinking those that are leveraged to foot traffic shopping in the US have been doing really well. Uh, UBS for one is expecting further upgrades and re-rating potential as the market becomes more comfortable with the growth profile for EML. How does the growth profile rate for you?
0: Well, it's interesting. You know, the, the, the world's got into a very strange situation at the moment where if you sell more, even if you don't make much money doing it, you regard it as doing well. And if your share price goes up, you regard it as doing well. The fact that you're making very little in the way of profits doesn't seem to count now that interest rates are virtually zero. And of course, this suspension of reality uh, is uh, an absurdity. It happens every time there's any sort of a bubble. Uh, And if you look at this company, uh, you know, in 10 years of history, it's never once had a return on equity greater than 6.3%. Most years have been considerably lower than that, including some years of losses. And, um, you know, it's, it's earnings look exciting over the last couple of years in that it's grown them a bit. But it's very easy to grow if you're starting at zero or negative quantity. The percentages look lovely. So um, it, not a company that uh, I would get excited about or anybody from Team Invest would get excited about. So definitely a no from us.
2: Nathan, do you view EML payments differently, better than expected revenues, strong cash conversion, even as it saw costs increase in the most recent reporting season? And we talked about it before, it's in an upgrade cycle.
1: It is, uh, but it's, it's also a tech and people do pay high multiple for high growth stocks. It is a high growth stock. They have executed quite well in the last couple of years and that's why the market is paying for it. The last pop it's gone up from, I think the mid threes to $5 um, is because of short covering. There was about 7% short in the stock. It's now down below 4%. So there was a decent short covering and when no one's selling, you get the short squeeze and mm-hmm. it's popped. Um, you're back to the pre-pandemic levels. This is the big problem at the moment where we are in the cycle. People pay big multiples for growth stocks. When yields go up, those multiples come back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how good you are, the multiples come back. I mean, look at CSL. That's just the, the best growth stock in the market and even that gets pulled back on multiples. So this is now trading pretty close, you know, previous pre-pandemic highs and the multiples are quite high. It is not that high quality business. Um, So I think we, you know, I think with Koshi we spoke about it about six months ago and we actually put it in the uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Osbis portfolio um, and Gurev knocked it back Mm -hmm. because it's not the highest quality play but the reality is they've executed in recent times and that's got the multiple back up. And this used to be a market darling. ProMedicus, Merchants, um, yep. Jumbo Interactive, these were the techs that everyone chased. It was the hot stocks. So there's a lot of people in there wanting this to work. Now, the problem with that is when it turns negative also, there's a lot of people trying to get out at the same time. So it's not a large cap, it's a decent cap, but there's a lot of people in there wanting to go higher. So I think you're paying more risk than return now. Uh, I think around the uh, below four bucks, you got a shot at it with the growth story that it has, but I think about five bucks, you, you're paying too much for the risk. So as much as I used to like it, I think the whole thematic for techs here and where it is right now, you're paying too much.
2: Then this is a no for EML. From Nathan and from Howard, let me run you through the companies that we've gone through so far. Stock of the day, CleanAway. In Howard's view, the metrics just don't add up. This is not a business that he would own. Also, for Nathan, he agrees he wouldn't chase it here. It's in a cycle. It's one of those companies that is Cyclical, but it needs to keep acquiring to keep the narrative going. Uh, there are some big question marks over its latest acquisition announcement. It is a no from Nathan Somersandrum. Whitehaven Coal, WHC, uh, it's just in the too hard basket for Mathan from Deep Data Analytics. There will always be a space for coal, but this is something that private equity will take out because you know, they go for those with a lack of real growth profiles, but it will be taken out at a cheap price. This doesn't bode well for shareholders. And it's also a no for Howard because it's a minor. Do I need to say more? Okay, (laughs) for AUB group number two on the list, uh, it is a buy for Mathen. He says that look, it's in an upgrade cycle. It is doing really well. Execution has been good. And uh, Howard agrees with everything pretty much that Mathen has said. Uh, It is uh, clipping the ticket of the insurers. So it's not taking on any risk. This is going in the AusBiz portfolio. If it's not in there already, I should actually say AUB group. For Corey, for Tom, Serco. Uh, look, it's a New Zealand tech. That is a big check in Nathan's books, but he's not buying into any tech. There's no big bang to justify the share price from here. Look for names like Vista Group that haven't already risen this wave, this tech wave higher. And uh, it is a no coming from Howard, and that's primarily because there's just not enough history to go on, only been listed for three years, and it's made a loss for two of those years. And that's part of the profit problem with EML payments, why it's not going uh, well in Howard's book as well, is in his view, profitability still counts. It's not profitable. So EML is a no coming from Howard. It is a no from Nathan, as we just said as well. It's tech, it's high growth, it's executed well, but you've got to pay for it sub $4, potentially, but not where it's trading right now. So that is where we're up to in this program. 1234 is the timestamp for us going live. Let's get across our sixth stock, uh, which is Red Cape Hotel Group. This is RDC that's been sent in by Liam. And uh, Red Cape Hotel Group. Howard, I'll start with you. It was pretty strong even in the face of the pandemic because we saw gaming and bottle shop sales offsetting Weakness in on-premises food and beverage sales. I know you don't like gaming. Is that enough to make this a no for you, Howard?
0: Um, uh, even without that, uh, I don't really like gaming. Yes, that that's true. But um, it's got really low return on equity. It's only been listed for just under three years. Its return on equity is low. Its debt to equity is quite high, as you'd expect in something with property. Um, so, there's really nothing in its metrics that says there's anything exciting about this company at all. And uh, hotel companies have generally struggled to uh, get decent return on equity. Uh, so, a, a no from us, so, uh, it's not even one that's worth the, uh, team investment members even spending any time looking at.
2: It. Okay, nothing there. Um, look, performance was pretty strong for Red Cape Hotel Group. This could be a reopening thematic.
1: Yeah, but it's priced in. Um, most of it's in the price. Um, if you want this exposure and you want something um, in a divestment play, have a look at Woolies. Woolies is about to split out the alcohol and gaming, uh, the pokey side of things. Uh, so that would give you uh, that part as well as the probably the best supermarket chain out there. So you could get a, a bit of both. Um, I, Howard's right in the context that I don't think this is gonna do much from here. What are you buying? You're buying a bit of risk because if we have another wave or any kind of lockdowns, these things get affected. Uh, Aussies love to buy a beer. So, you know, the business is relatively stable in that context, but again, there's other macro thematics that work against it, like ESG investors won't be buying into these stocks. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to play the game that everyone wants to play. This is why Woolworths is splitting out. So they want to get better ESG scores. So in that context, if the future is more ESG investing, this is going to struggle in that. I don't think there's a big bang for it here. I think when you're playing the open up uh, thematic, you want to look at stocks that market has ignored, and they're turning around. So if I had to look at things like, you know, travel businesses mm-hmm. or airports and things like that I think you get a bit more because people are not willing to take that risk yet mm-hmm. where this one everyone knows that safety so people have already bought into it.
2: So just to be clear was a bonus by Woolworths or the ultimate Endeavor group that's being spun out?
1: Well Endeavor group is getting spun out of Woolworths so if you buy Woolworths now yeah, you get you get, get both.
2: Yeah right so would you buy Woolworths now?
1: Oh I'm a big fan. I'm, big fan. I'm a big fan of all the divestment places the other one is Telstra.
2: OK, Telstra, uh, I'm going to go to you, Howard, on Woolworths, because I believe that was a bottom drawer company for you. Would you be buying Woolworths now?
0: I've owned it for a very long time. And yes, uh, ahead of the uh, the divestments, probably not a bad time to buy it because, as Nathan says, you're going to get the best supermarket chain. And separately, um, uh, I think it's going to be the biggest in uh, the other side of it. Endeavour Group, I think, will be the biggest in alcohol and uh, and so on. So um you, you you get both of those um i'm not buying any more at the moment but i've got quite a big holding in woolworths already mm-hmm. so uh, team invest members um generally like woolies but i don't think anybody's rushing out to buy it in a hurry but the fact that uh, endeavor Group's going to be split out of it is probably a quite big positive for it because as we said you get two for the price of one both of which should be the best in their field
2: well, there's your bonus buy, folks, and you might get a bit of a bonus buy if you buy Woolworths right now with Endeavor Group, sounds like. Let's get to the next company on the list, 7West Media. This is for Tanya. Uh, she's saying, Ausbus had the CEO on earlier this year. Check, we did. James Warburton, reporting season. Uh, saying, I believe there was some more news that was expected to be released soon. So this is referencing the detail about that Google showcase and also the deals that uh, were eventually done with Facebook. So I'll start with you, Howard, Seven West Media. Media is classically cyclical. It's uh, sometimes a very difficult business to be in, speaking from experience. Uh, but look, it is, you know, it's on an upswing. Seven's report did say that it was doing quite well and seeing an uplift in, in, uh, in advertising and audience. Uh, how do you view Seven West Media in particular, considering it's still got a lot of debt?
0: yeah and and that's one of the issues with it Uh, i I think there's so much easier places to make money on the stock exchange than um, these sort of businesses now they have done a deal with facebook and with google um, and they've also done a deal to reduce the cost of the cricket rights that they uh, had signed up for previously so those three are all positives but really this it's a business in transition and it's very rare for a business in transition to turn into a wealth winner There are far, far more of them that look like they're in transition and never quite get out uh, in a way in which they look great. I mean, the best example over uh, perhaps 20 years, in fact, uh, two of them, I suppose, is AMP, which has always been a business in transition and has never transitioned to anything other than worse than it was before, and Maya, which is ditto. So uh, no, definitely a no from us, although they have done a few positive things recently that... that, uh, uh make them look a bit better than they looked before
2: well yeah Nathan. the earnings uplift well not only is it cyclical but there's been a lot of costs taken out of the business how much more costs can be taken out uh can a create shareholder value what's your view
1: oh the media sector is tough at the best of times as you would well know um, but it's i actually find it interesting it is actually offering some opportunities not the obvious ones. So if you were blatantly looking at it, the idiot-proof one everyone jumped on was Channel 9. Yeah. Obviously, after buying Fairfax, they had a lot of, as the media cycle turned around. And Demand. Exactly. And so yeah. it, it's, it's like the BHP for mining, right? You buy Channel 9 because you don't know what you're doing and you just buy it for the media exposure. And that's worked. It's done well. 7 was the next one, and that's benefited out of the structural improvement. But those things have had a run, uh, and 7 had the near-death experience, so it's come back. I don't see the real value going forward because if you look at the generational change. I look at my kids, they're now watching free to air. Uh, so it's all about streaming and new technology. So you've got to look at things where people are still going to be engaged. So I look at the media sector, unique ones. So my fa- favorite at the moment is one is Omedia because as you see more food traffic, people are outside traveling, catching trains, going through, they're seeing the ads. So we've seen the numbers for Media improving through January, February. I expect that to continue. It's the only outdoor media tech out there, um, so I would say O Media is one of those ones where opening up economy will have a huge upside to it, and I think it's potentially an M and A target for some of the bigger players globally as well. Um, and this is an industry where having those spots are huge because once you lock those spaces in, it's very hard for someone else to replicate. So O Media is one I would look at instead. The other one is Southern Cross Media. Main assets are radio assets. Everyone's stuck on traffic because everyone doesn't want to catch public transport, and when you're stuck on traffic. You might listen to podcasts, but you also listen to radio because people just love listening to jibber jabber. So people listen to the radio and that market is actually doing quite well. People have been calling the end of radio for a long time and I keep getting gray hairs before that happens. But the reality is they're doing well. So these are two assets, unique assets, um, radio assets and outdoor media. That's relatively cheap and it's you know, a cyclical recovery story. So I think those have a lot more to offer than seven. Seven, I think, the Could it be a
2: short-term value trade, though? Seven. It's yeah. already
1: done. Okay. Um, so for them, you know, where do they go from here? They don't get the natural growth that they would come through with more traffic coming through because yeah. online is online. Everyone does online. There's no very limited uh, you know, competition. But when you look at Omedia and Southern Cross, they're really cheap even for their normal cheap multiples. So mm-hmm. in that context, yes, they're not great models, but they're cheap. So I think the relative value will normalize. And I can see 30, 40, 50% on both of those stocks.
2: It's unfair to not ask you, Howard, if you have any view on O Media and Southern Cross. Now, I know you go by your metrics, um, but do you like either of those narratives in terms of the media space overall, or is media just a blanket no for you?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, when you consider that you really want the 25 best businesses you're able to identify as a maximum Uh, in your portfolio some people fewer than 25 but you know uh, however many uh, you're only going to be looking at perhaps the 30 best businesses on the ASX and picking the ones that you understand best and you like best out of those Mm -hmm. and I can't Mm -hmm. see any of the media companies getting anywhere close to the best 30 businesses on the ASX so seeing as we're long-term investors uh, we're not buying it to uh, in the hope that tomorrow the share price will go up we're buying it on the basis that the business will be a much stronger business in five years time making uh, much more earnings per share and hence paying bigger dividends and hence the share price also being higher none of the media companies would would qualify for us as being anywhere close to the top 30 in the on the asx
2: howard would Maine pharma then myx i'm thinking not because it's a it's continually being challenged. It's always reliant on getting FDA or TGA approvals for its products, which are mostly generic um, you know, generic drugs. Is Maine Pharma, how can you enlighten us as to whether we should be buying, holding, or selling?
0: Yeah, well, certainly Team Invest members wouldn't be thinking of buying. Its return on equity over the last few years has been going backwards from 2020, 2.3%, 0.3%, 3.4%, percent it had one good year 14 percent in 2016 and before that was 4.1 now if a company can't generate high return on equity it cannot in the long term be a wealth winner because if a company can't make more than a couple of cents on each dollar of shareholders funds that are sitting in the company how can the shareholders make more than a couple of cents on every dollar of shareholders funds that are sitting in the company so uh, main farmer no um, nothing to get excited about. The very first metric I would look at uh, knocks it out and uh, so no from us.
2: Yeah, that's not a very good chart that we just had up on screen, Nathan, is it?
1: Yeah, I've actually learned through the years that when it looks ugly, you've got to pay some attention because why is it ugly? And it's generic drugs globally, is pretty bad. Uh, so if you want to know what's happening in that sector, just follow Tiva. And when Tiva starts to pick up, you want to look at this stock, the rest of the time you don't want to look at this stock and Tiva's gone sideways for the last year and a half two years so it's really telling you no need to be there now you're basically betting on you know the le- the recent pop is one of their drugs potentially getting through and a few brokers upgraded on the back of that and the market has already priced the upside in so you've had the pop already so in in context this is this is a really 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 tough sector and these guys back in the day paid top dollar for portfolio of drugs from Teva and then just wrote it all the way down to nothing. So yeah,
2: because you're at the mercy of regulators, you're exactly. at the mercy of you know, delivery, and supply it, there's chain. There's no IP, right? Yeah. And then,
1: so that means you're selling a lot of cheap stuff to make the margin. So you, there's no um, mode for your business, so you've got to keep coming up with new products all the time and it's got to sell more and more and more. So it's just tough, it's really hard. So again, just follow Teva. When Teva starts to run, then you you know even if you don't know anything about biotech then you look at main pharma till then don't look at it antiva is doing nothing at the moment
2: alex that is the answer to your question on main pharma thanks for writing in thanks for listening or viewing if you would like to get a question into our guests the call at ausbiz tv and also just a, a ps this is information only it's not advice that's specific to your financial circumstances so you do always need to do your own research and get your own advice. St. Barbara is the next on the list. It's coming to us from CARA, SBM is the ticker code. Howard, do you have to have a view on gold prices with St. Barbara and if you don't have a bullish case for gold, putting aside your dislike of the miners, it would uh, really determine whether you thought this was an investable idea?
0: Yeah, and uh, how do you get a view on gold? I mean, uh, I grew up in South Africa where gold was the biggest subject of conversation in the business press every day of the year, every year, uh, because it was by miles the single biggest export from South Africa, which at the time produced 85% of all the world's gold. So gold was talked about all the time, and gold was always going to do wonderfully well in the future. It's just the future never really came. And um, even though gold prices sometimes went up and there was this uh, false belief that gold was a good hedge against inflation, whenever you looked at it over a long period of time, it wasn't. Now, in the case of St. Barbara, it's one of the better-run gold mines, by the way, or gold mining companies, but its Gualia mines got a life extending beyond 2031. Now, we don't say that with other companies. It's only mining companies that spend uh, mining and oil and that sort of thing that spend billions or millions of dollars up front in the hope that it'll last long enough to get all their money back and pay the shareholders a decent return. Um, It's PNG miners virtually worked out, so there's not much life left in that. And it's one in Nova Scotia in Canada, uh, looks like it's probably got a life until about 2030. Now if you're buying into a business and you know that it's going to run out of product at some time around about 10 years in the future. And then it's going to have to spend a hell of a lot of money again to uh, drill new holes find a new resource develop that resource and start selling again it's very hard to figure out how that can ever be a wealth winner for you no matter what happens with the gold price and over the last few years the gold price has been rising but st barbara's earnings per share has been going down because what do gold mines do the moment the gold price goes up they don't make more money they instead lengthen the lifetime of the mine by working lower grade ore. so when the gold price goes down they work higher grade ore. when the gold price goes up they work lower grade ore, which they couldn't work when the gold price was low so that extends the life of their mine by a year or two but it means their profits don't go up in the way that the market and investors think gee the gold price has gone up the profits from the gold mine will go up no the gold mine will just switch to mining lower grade or last a couple of years longer before they have to find a new resource but the likelihood of their profits going up uh, anything significantly is pretty small indeed because they just mine lower grade ore
2: well Nathan, i mean these gold miners are consistently looking for you know new mines and looking to buy new mines or explore Mm -hmm. new mines so that's one point a counterpoint to that and to Howard's point St Barbara is actually a really well-run gold mine at least in the view of our producers at least in the view of the brokers do you like it
1: look I actually think the gold miners are being run a hell of a lot better now than they have been as most miners are Uh, the mining industry used to be pretty uh, lazy and used to just basically print money and they didn't care what they did and they used to blow themselves up. Now they're actually much better at managing their capital, much better at um, managing their balance sheet. I actually like the gold sector here. Um, I, I love, Look, I, I play the whole thematic of gold versus US dollar. US dollar is in a d- depreciating play. I think US dollar goes lower, gold goes higher. Uh, we're in a reflation cycle. History actually does support gold. Um, the thing that manipulates gold at the, in the shorter term has been out of sync is mainly because central banks have been doing stupid things. Now, the problem right now is the central banks have pretty much lost control and the bond market is taking over. So I think that relationship comes back in play. So I would actually back gold here. We like gold. We've been in gold for a, probably a year and a half and it's done quite well. All the gold stocks have pretty much done the same thing and they've come off. Look look, look at the, bi- the biggest guy out there right now. We actually prefer the Aussie gold miners mm-hmm. because if there is a, a, a pull, if the US dollar does run off against our thematic, then the Aussie dollar will fall, and so your margins are protected. Mm-hmm. So Aussie gold price actually mm-hmm. is doing quite well. So they're still, per, you know, the Aussie gold miners are doing well. The, the best guys like Northern Star, they have merged with Saracen. Mm-hmm. Now that makes a big, high-quality Aussie gold miner. So if I had to pick one, Northern Star is at the top of the list. Then you've got Evolution, another one who just recently bought into the Canadian side of things. Mm-hmm. They're very good miners. Gold Road. So I like a lot of the gold stocks, especially the Aussie gold miners. But St. Barbara is probably not at the top of the list. But I would say if I had to pick one, Northern Star is the one to Okay,
2: Thank you. Now, the last company on our list, CSR. Mathan, I will start with you. It's a business, highly leveraged to housing. We know what's going on with housing. However, we've also had a lot of stimulus in terms of the home builder scheme. That will no doubt roll off. Uh, You know, that could impact the actual building side of things or not?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, As you said, we all know, the market knows, market's already priced that in. Now the question is, what's gonna happen afterwards? And that's where the uncertainty is. And globally, we've got problem in the property market. I mean, New Zealand actually removed their so-called negative gearing to limit their damage. And so I I wouldn't be chasing building stocks here uh, because it's a thematic that everyone knows. Look for a thematic that the market is missing, thematic that's uh, priced very low, that's gonna turn around in the next three to six months, and that's where your upside is. There's no point buying something that everyone knows because if everyone knows and the stock hasn't done well, well, there's something wrong with it. This has done well. So everyone knows. So you're not buying an upside here. You're buying what the market knows.
2: Reminded me of Leonard Cohen there. (laughs) Nathan, uh, let's get to Howard Coleman. CSR, it's cyclical. It's building, you know, it's been going so strong. What do the metrics tell you about CSR?
0: Well, uh, as Nathan was saying, you're running behind the herd. Um, The market already knows it. So if anybody's going to get eaten by the lion, it's you buying it late. Um, But overall, this is a company that despite the big upside in building over the last few years, the big upturn, its earnings per share have actually gone down. And they've gone from $0.40 a share to $0.34 a share to $0.26 a share to $0.25 a share. So um, despite... What we would have thought would be wonderful for them in terms of a building boom they haven't really been increasing their earnings their earnings have been going backwards now one of the reasons for that is owning their aluminium smelting business and as power prices in australia have risen dramatically uh, aluminium is sort of solidified electricity or solidified gas uh, i don't know what you want to call it nowadays but it's solidified power and that's not a great business to be in. So overall, uh, you know, its a return on equity is quite good, but its earnings per share been going backwards. Um, debt's risen a little bit in the last year or so. Uh, so it doesn't look like a bad business. But again, there'd be a, a lot better businesses you could find on the ASX. And as Madden said, you're buying it very late and where everybody else already knows uh, this theme. So uh, uh, there's, there's no advantage in, in buying it at this stage. So a no from us.
2: Okay, that brings us to the end of the list. I'll sum up what we've learned in the past half hour or so. And I will stand corrected because we jumped around my list today because we were talking AUB Group. That took us to Steadfast. And I have to mention it because it is a buy from both of the guys. So even though it's not their best of the bunch they would still both prefer aub group but they both think that it's looking pretty good so steadfast group if it's not there already will be going into the ausbiz portfolio and that brings us to the next on our list red cape hotel group it's a no from howard he says it won't do much from here on in that's pretty much the same from Nathan he says you are essentially buying risk when it comes to red cape group everybody knows about the reopening trend that's been priced in this is where we got a bonus buy and that is Woolworths from Nathan. he says look he's a pretty big fan of it it will also be spinning out its endeavor group howard coleman agrees he's not chasing it right now but it is a buy and you might get a little bit of a bonus in that when it does spin out the endeavor group so there you go guys uh, we've got seven west media it's a no coming from howard coleman It is just a tough place to make money. There are easier places in the market, particularly if you go by their thematic that thinks that you need to have about 20, 25 companies in your portfolio. It's a note for Nathan as well. He says, look, if you're looking for someplace in the media space that still has potential, look for Omedia and Southern Cross Media. Uh, Southern Cross Radio, he's got grey hairs waiting for radio to go away (laughs) and it's still here. Uh, Maine Pharma, it's just a no from both of those, it's not a wealth winner in Howard's view. Mathan's view, watch for Tiva. If Tiva starts to make a move, then perhaps Maine Pharma will as well, but it's just a really, really tough business. Uh, That brings us to St. Barbara from Cara. Uh, Howard says, how do you get a view on gold and the gold price? And this is coming from a South African, so it's a no from him. He doesn't like the miners anyways. For Mathan, he actually does like the Australian gold miners in particular because of the gold versus U.S. dollar story. But again, Northern Star Evolution would be better picks in the space. So St. Barbara, it's, I'm going to call it a no from you, yeah. Nathan. CSR, uh, look, with Howard, I heard his first line, EPS has gone down. I didn't even take any more notes. I know that that's a no from Howard. And in Nathan's view, everybody knows the good news that's priced in from CSR. It's not... It's not cheap here. He certainly wouldn't be chasing it here. So if everybody knows, it's a no from Nathan Sumasandrum Deep Data Analytics. Huge thanks. I always enjoy your company in studio. Much appreciated. And Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Always nice to speak. Howard, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us.
0: Lovely to be on.
2: All right. That is the call for today. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at ozbiz.com.au and a reminder uh, where to find all the stocks we have in the Calls portfolio, head to ozbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Look, it was really good spending some time with you today. I hope you enjoyed the program. You can listen to it again via podcast and it will be online shortly as video on demand. Don't go anywhere though. We've got plenty more news and analysis coming up next.